Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you by The Mine Refinery. I'm Kyle Bodanis. So we're going to continue our lead up to Dune by exploring the works of director Denny Villeneuve. This episode, we're talking about his 2013 English language debut, Prisoners. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you have time, follow The Mine Refinery on social media. Here's the show. Alright guys, here today to talk about Denny Villeneuve's English language debut, Prisoners, are Mind Refinery creatives, John Neal. Hello. And the man himself, Boyan Nedick. Hello. Okay guys, so I figured we switch it up and uh, watch a nice, light-hearted flick, low intensity, <laughs> but uh, Denny Villeneuve doesn't have those, so we're talking about Prisoners instead. So this flick comes off of uh, his biggest French language film, Incendies, a fantastic film in its own right, one that we will be talking about in our lead up to Dune. Prisoners had a budget of $46 million and was written by a screenwriter, Aaron Guzikowski, who credits producer Mark Wahlberg, sans the funky bunch, as helping to get the film off its feet. Uh, the script was such a hot commodity, actors like Christian Bale and filmmakers like Antoine Fuqua and Brian Singer were attached to do it, although I have no idea what Brian Singer would have done with this. Mm. Um, and then, anti, uh, sorry, and then enter Denis Villeneuve, and the rest is history. So I want to kind of start by talking about what a film like this does for Denny Villeneuve at the point of his career, you know, where he is and where he's breaking and what he's trying to do, you know, what does a film like this mean to him? Why don't you start us off, John? Um, this is the film that really kind of set the tone for how the rest of his career would go up until this point, at least. It's it's sort of a, an entryway for, I think, big name actors to want to be associated with him and to want to work with him and you know, this is really the film, I think, that sort of would be able uh, to allow him to choose his own projects and have the freedom to kind of weave his way through the industry and, and pick some really interesting stuff to do, which, of course, he has done up until this point. So this film, I think, for him is really sort of, even though Incendies is, uh, was, was recognized as, you know, something really special by the Academy, I think it was nominated for Best Foreign Film, this is the film that kind of put him more on I, I feel like into the not necessarily the mainstream but sort of sort of was driving him in that direction to sort of work with mainstream talent and uh, mainstream filmmakers yeah I think basically uh, even you know from from just seeing what even uh, Denis was saying about uh, what this film film meant to him is that basically it is his entry into studio filmmaking um, technically he he did no, actually, that's his, his entry into studio filmmaking. And, you know, he, he talks about how he needed to make Enemy before he made Prisoners. Uh, you know, he was he was nervous about the whole studio thing. He he had kind of a fear of it because he's, you know, he's heard uh, uh, he's heard stories of, of his colleagues who were chewed up by by the big studio system. You know, he's he's not, he's not coming into it with, you know, already an experience of that system. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's weird. You know, maybe we should have watched Enemy 2 as part of this, but Enemy's kind of tied up into into the story of 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 hit this era of of Villeneuve and and because they kind of they released in the same year enemy was his uh uh a thing that his last taste of just doing what he wants and and just doing like a, a like a creative and sort of free and without fear of of the studio on your back sort of film and to him and he needed to make that 
he says he needed to make that before he made prisoners and it was basically a film that was dreamt up you know a, a drunken night drinking wine with J jake gyllenhaal uh and they, and they thought of that movie and and then he goes into into uh into the studio film and it and, and it does and he, he does really well he does really well he passes the hollywood test which is which is what you know a lot of, a lot of filmmakers that come you know with some good uh you know, with some heat from 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 a previous film like Incendies or something, and, and and Hollywood's looking at them and they're giving them a chance. And there's a lot of directors who you know maybe maybe they pa barely pass the test, maybe they fail the test, but they certainly don't make a lot of uh, big movies after the fact. And uh, Villeneuve uh, proved otherwise. I mean, big flick for Denny Villeneuve. You know, uh, the English language feature film debut. He's got a fucking powerhouse cast. He's got Maggie Gyllenhaal's brother. <laughs> he's got Hugh Jackman, uh, Maria Bello. He's got Roger Deakins, Locked and Loaded. He's got Viola Davis, who uh, you kind of just bring on to a set and let her do her thing, and she just like collects an Academy Award nomination. Can I just she... say something about Viola Davis? I, I I I haven't I haven't super researched everything she's done, but I've seen her in a lot of movies. I don't think she's ever is she capable of 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 playing a weak character because no, she can't do like. It. No. Fucking Terrence Howard <laughs> just comes off like such a wuss. He's good. I mean, we're gonna. We're, we're she's gonna, just a yeah, powerhouse. Even this character, like she's an afraid mother, but like she's the one that just has the strength in that family. And it's I'm gonna incredible. tell you right now, if, Vi if Viola Davis is coming to a barbecue, she's bringing the thunder. That's what she brings <laughs> for the potluck. She just comes with the thunder and she brings it. You know, and this is kind of also a big moment for the Canadian filmmaking community too, and most especially the French Canadian, uh, you know, cinema community which continues this really great self-contained cinematic situation. You know, so everything here is primed and ready for success, you know, but with that kind of responsibility comes pressure. There's no excuses if it doesn't work out. He can't say he didn't have the right supporter budget because, he, you know, $46 million, Roger Deakins, Viola Davis, uh, Beggy Gyllenhaal's brother, everything, Hugh Jackman, everything is there at your disposal because, and you know what, it worked out because it's funny because Hollywood puts... Uh, some people in these mind-boggling situations where they invest in them and they don't always get it right. And this is a situation where they 100% got it completely right. You know, he was yeah. scouted right from the beginning as a talent. And um, he has just been, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We jerk this guy off. He's been, uh, at this point, I think probably the best filmmaker. This is uh, in working today. This is really where that begins is, you know, it's it's ascension. So um, let's let's get into our initial thoughts on the film when we saw it. Like, what, what did we think about it? What starts off, Boyan? Uh, I mean, it's it starts off. And first of all, I go into it having completely the wrong impression of what this film was about. Um, I thought it, somebody basically told me that they're there's two people stuck in a hole somewhere i don't know what it was but or, or underground or something anyways i but i'm going into it and i'm like okay well okay kids kidnapped blah, blah, blah. it felt like a very common sort of storyline you know what i mean like a like a procedural uh, uh kids missing it's probably pedophile serial killer sort of thing when i was going into it but it's just and this is this is to his credit that he goes for you know he starts off uh, with and, and you know you have this expectation you're going in uh, uh, or, or in the first few scenes, uh, but then he really like elevates it through a whole mixture of elements and it's it's one it's 
the in- it it goes the intensity just keeps climbing and it's not intensity where it's where it's a, a thriller and it's just like nonstop and you're just it's intensity that is at a, at a steady pace and it just keeps climbing and doesn't let up um and you know uh it uh, and and then of course the cast uh basically brings it in every scene so and, and i mean i don't know i saw i saw a lot of uh uh jake like jake, jake gyllenhaal uh uh i think it's one of his best performances in this movie to be honest and uh yeah that's it i mean i i love the intensity i loved uh how even it, it, i started expecting what was going to happen and he, you know he was taking turns that i i didn't see so he definitely uh elevates something common and i think uh, i think that's that's uh pretty pretty amazing on his behalf i had seen this probably after i'd seen most of his other work like i had originally like from his work i saw sicario was the first film i ever saw by him and then obviously arrival and then blade runner and then i finally got around to seeing prisoners so i was kind of sort of in the villeneuve sphere of knowing what to expect at least tone wise but i didn't expect that it was going to be you know quite possibly one of his best films from a craft perspective his ability to sort of keep the tension rising as Boyan said is just I don't think I've ever experienced a film where it's sort of been at at a slow and steady pace like this for two and a half hours straight and you're just glued to the seat watching it the whole time you can't take your eyes off it it's it's mesmerizing the way he builds uh, the story the way he does and the way that his actors sort of just carry the film's tension all the way through. Uh, it's Hugh Jackman's best performance, easily, in my mind, that 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 he's ever done. There's so much symbolism in this film. Uh, like, the first thing that kind of came to mind was the um, the character of um, I believe it's the guy that he uh, when Jake Gyllenhaal's character breaks into his house. It's Bob Taylor, um, the guy yeah. that's drawing all those mazes and stuff. And and the first thing I thought of. Uh, there's this really sort of ominous shot when the kids uh, go out uh, before they get abducted. And there's just that shot of the tree trunk and the house. And it's just sort of like a slow push in on like this big tree outside, outside the house. And we don't actually see the kids get abducted, but we kind of like get it just from that one shot. And the first thing I thought of when I saw the maze was that looks like an inside of a tree trunk. Right. And so there's like, there's just so many like visual symbols in this. It's it's a crazy thriller with so many nuances and the story takes twists and turns that you don't expect and it just kind of completely catches you off guard in such a good way. I mean, it's just an incredible film. Like we've we, we jerk this guy off for a reason. It's because he just brings it every time. It's funny because I when I was watching it again last night, I was talking to Samantha as she was in and out of sleep <clears throat> in bed while we were wa- while I was watching it and, good bedtime uh, movie <clears throat> yeah she was like she was like this is an appropriate <laughs> bedtime viewing um I'm like yup Roger Deakins I'm gonna take 36 feet of dolly point it directly at that tree <laughs> point it directly at that tree please um yeah for a 2.5 hour movie it's incredibly tight and the tension doesn't really let up until the very last moment to be honest with you mm. and the story is really clever with how it uses those little details of these little Chekhov's guns you know like the maze necklace and the whistle like the whistle i'm like yeah. that's coming up 
that's mm-hmm. happening. And as soon as he kind of saw the whistle, he had the whistle, you know, when he holds it. And I'm like, okay, obviously that's how they're going to fucking figure it out. But I'm like, that's cool though. Cause everything's uh, connected. Like even the pop bottle, because like you see the kids like in that one shot and then there's like the pop bottle next to it. And then she pulls the pop bottle out of the fridge. And I'm like, that's yeah. fucking ridiculous. And then, it was just like really, really well put together in how those little details, like those those little aha moments that are cool, even in a, a film that's so fucking intense. And as I, everyone's saying, it was so fucking intense, carried by a really great story and a ludicrously talented cast. Uh, I feel sometimes the problem with this many good actors in one space is you don't really get to see enough of everyone. But this flick kind of makes space for them all and gives them room to move like you don't want to bring as i said earlier viola davis out and not get her to do awesome viola davis type shit you know what i mean but she gets her fucking everyone has a moment at least a big moment or scene where it really shows off what they're doing and what they can do and she doesn't have a ton of screen time but she she uses every second of it exactly there are no small parts only small people there's what? no wasted frames in a Dennis Villeneuve movie. Exactly, Zero. and I think I think that I think it's that economy because for two point five hours, you're yeah. not like I want this fucking thing to, to end. What's funny is this is only his second most intense film because I think <laughs> Polytechnique is probably his most in, intense. Yeah. At least it's it's his most chilling. I think the way he uses suspense in this though is just out of control. Yeah such uh a really really great film i mean i don't think it's like high on the replay value only because it's kind of an intense watch Mm -hmm. but the scenes are so incredible and it's such a good movie and um yeah you 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 feel tired from it but it's fantastic and i want to kind of get into the scenes a little bit like what were some of our favorite scenes going into this sorry not going into this what were some of our favorite scenes (laughs) go ahead boyan uh you go ahead Okay, fine. Um, well, there's a lot. Uh, the one that I think jumps out at me, uh, just because of the reaction I had to it, was when uh, Detective Loki goes to the house of uh, Bob Taylor. I think at that point, it was like we they were kind of playing with us on, on who was actually going to turn out to be the kidnapper. And he kind of sets Bob Taylor up in a way where you're like, yep, it could totally be this guy. And then you know, he shows up and there's just all these fucking mazes and, and you're like, what is going on? There's like porcelain masks in the, in the sink. And then like they go into the room and there's all these cases and you're like, Oh my God. And and again, like you're just waiting for him to open the cases, right? (laughs) He's just searching through all the rooms. It's just a great scene. The one scene where, uh, where Loki finally, um, finds the finds his daughter do- finds Keller Dover's daughter and he's driving back to the hospital the 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 cinematography the the, the car driving in the rain um, it, it almost feels dreamlike it's just such a incredible visual sequence yeah those are just two to name a few there's there's a lot more the, obviously yes I was gonna <laughs> the Bob Taylor scene uh and and just him opening up open up those chests and the snakes are there it's just you're like, what the fuck is even this killer? Like, what's I, going on? Of, yeah. of, of all the movies and with all the serial killers, what the fuck is this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't get it. Can I just interrupt? Can Where I just interrupt for a go? second? Gonna, yeah. Yeah. This, this one that isn't that the guy who played like the crazy guy from Arkham in fucking yeah, it's David yeah Dash Dark Knight or something. I, yeah. I, I want to get into this when we talk about the perf- uh, the f- performances and stuff, but uh, yeah, it, it, he's 
that guy is fucked and so is Paul Dano. But um <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that more. But in yeah, a good no, way. Th- th- yeah, yeah. In yeah, in a character actor of a particular type sort of way. Yeah, no, so yeah, that scene where you're saying, you know, the chest and the snakes, I'm like, where is this going? What is this? Like, yeah. are, are the bodies in there? Is this the end of the movie? I'm That's like, what well, I thought. I thought the bodies you know? were in there. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Yeah, yeah, totally. I and, thought and, that too. And then I think, and this is, and this is, this is what it comes down to in this film that at least plot-wise and story-wise kind of so separates it from so, so many other like serial killer type movies is... Uh, Paul Dano and and Bob Ta- Paul Dano, what's his fucking name? Uh, Alex Jones and and, yeah. and Bob Taylor are these sort of they're victims of a serial killer that are a layer of like red herrings in the yes. story. That yeah. that this is what sets it apart, right? It's not like A to B. Okay, you know uh, they're looking for the killer. We kind mm. of think this guy's a killer, and then you watch a movie as they as they finally figure out who the killer is that you as a viewer pretty much already knew the whole time. Yeah. This is like two red herrings in between you and finding out what's actually going on. Yeah. So that that obviously really stands out to me. Him, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Hugh Jackman figuring out where his daughter is and that, that scene where uh, he goes into the house again and uh, what's her name? Pulls a, pulls a, pulls a gun on him. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you kind of, it's kind of all unravels there. Uh, just, Melissa just, Leo is the Melissa Leo, yeah, plays of, of him yeah. getting like, you know what I mean? She is obviously like, she, you know, she's giving us a lot of exposition there, just telling us, but we, mm-hmm. we've, at this point, we've already figured out so much of it. Yeah. And then, you know, because, and going into this, like he, he rushes back to that house and you're thinking, okay, this is, this is a resolution. Like this is, it's going to be resolved here, but no, this is, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it gets even like, where's it going to go now? It feels like we're at the end of this movie, yeah. but where's it going to go If you don't now? look at the runtime, you think it's going to end like three times. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that was amazing. And then, uh, you know, the torture, uh, the Hugh Jackman, uh, uh, you know, torturing him initially, and and that whole thing uh, where he brings in uh, Terrence Howard's character and and uh, Viola Davis's character into it. That's also a, uh, huh, that's just yeah. Those those kind that that like uh, uh, story of sort of of scenes that through line uh, of that torture were were intense uh, mm. for me and. Yeah, the, the torture scenes were crazy. Uh, the scene with uh, with Dano and Viola Davis, where you know where she comes in and she pulls the bag off his head, and you see his like bloated face. Uh, I'm gonna say that's probably the worst Dano has ever looked in any fucking movie. <laughs> wow, we didn't we didn't get to see what he looked like after Daniel Day Lewis beat him with the bowling pin, though. <laughs> I do. So we don't know. That's <laughs> fucking right. You <laughs> never see yeah. it. I do have to ask though. At the at that point. You know, when he's doing that, when he makes the decision to do that, and then all the stuff that he does later, are you at that point when you were watching it, were you sympathizing with him? And like, where does it stand? Where did it stand with you? Like, in in terms of, is this is this okay? Or do I understand why? Like, why is he justified in this? Like, regardless of what you know, knowing, finding out, you know, what what Alex Jones is later on. I mean, it was kind of like at that point you knew something else was going on. Like yeah. you weren't sure what it was, but well, you knew thought, there, there was something not right about this. Something whole, wasn't clicking. Yeah. The whole point's the empathy, right? Like the, yeah. like you're, you like, you can say that's wrong all you want. And like, that is uh, like, I think it's objectively wrong because I kind of knew it wasn't him mm-hmm. because uh, that would be way too obvious. But like, as a, f- like 
as a father whose child has gone missing and you have like some glimmer of hope to find them or like figure out what is going on you're gonna like no one who has never not been in that situation can really say what is gonna you know how you would feel so Mm -hmm. i think that's the thing where it's like is it the right thing to do no but you know can you see yourself doing that when it's your child's life on the line probably yeah like uh, it's yeah like it's kind of a well that's the question right that's the question that's posed there it's like you can at least fully understand where dover's coming from even if you don't agree with him right so the the character's motivations are just you're just locked into everything that's going on but well and, and, um, and i think that scene ties into uh what the aunt tells them at the end right of, of this is mm-hmm. their war against god and yeah you know they they this is something like they did this to basically create people like him like right. that's that's one of the things right to create yeah. a demon by destroying him by pushing him over the edge in, in this way by taking his child and all that yeah yeah and so. i think that viola davis scene you know is kind of exemplary of that because i feel that when you know they arrive at hugh jackman's door and Hugh Jackson's like, you told her? And he's like, yeah. And you kind of get the feeling that she's going to intervene and try to make it better. But then she, like, almost when she gets down and tries to reason with him and, you yeah. know, takes off his handcuffs and shit like that. You know, th- that really stuck in my head. But then at the end, she's like, I'm not going to ha- save him. But I'm also not going to assist Hugh Jackman and kind of just like washes her hands on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I think there's obvious like religious allusions to that. It was I thought that scene was really good. It's that's Viola Davis's moment. She's like fucking perfect in that. And uh, the scene at the end with Melissa Leo and Hugh Jackman where he goes to confront her and the whole thing gets turned on its head. Uh, Melissa Leo is like consistently throwing fastballs whenever she's working. And uh, like this was kind of her moment where it was very like subdued and it's it's just pretty crazy uh that scene i really thought you know that one stuck with me and then the the interrogation we know where he is what's the name bob taylor bob, bob taylor. taylor yeah so oh, yeah. he's a inter- when uh loki is interrogating uh bob taylor and he like kills himself mm-hmm. and then i mean up until that point jake gyllenhaal's character is he's pretty steadfast and not removed from it but he maintains a professional distance to kind of like deal with it on and you also have confidence in him because even though things are not going well he's been pretty much right about everything or he's been doing things the right way yes and this is the first time you really see a lack of confidence in himself there because he's like visibly shaken when he kills himself and like he's like what the fuck he's like almost crying and he's like what did i just do and this wasn't it and it was just a really crazy fucking moment yeah. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, by the way, uh, his character in this, he quits being a detective and he becomes the Nightcrawler. I, I feel like there's an evolution between this <laughs> character. Because he's also a... kind of a detective in Nightcrawler, but he's also fucked up. Yeah, yeah. But he's also, and remember fucking Zodiac? He's fucking just like <laughs> career shifting all these crazy situations. <laughs> yeah, so... He goes from being a cartoonist to a police detective to an author all in the same <laughs> film. Yeah, Brokeback is the only one that kind of doesn't doesn't fit that uh, the evolution between those films. That's another good performance. Like he, Jake Gyllenhaal, he had such a good string. I was just looking at his IMDb. He had a really good string of movies. Uh, yeah, uh, like he's been in yeah. good stuff. I I feel maybe Jarhead. he doesn't. I feel like maybe he doesn't get enough credit? Question mark. But uh, he's maybe good. Some, he's yeah. good. Like well, like when he's good, he's good. 
Um, like, like that scene when, when he goes into Bob Taylor's house at the door and his complexion just totally shifts from like, but you bought children's clothes. Right. And then all of a sudden his let's dovetail this, goes like, let's well, dovetail yeah, this I, into the performances yeah. because we're, we're on the Jake Gyllenhaal right now. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, um, anyway, yeah, but like, so like how his expression just changes completely from sort of laughing and joking with him to just, you know, really straight face. Well, do you it, have is children? Is this Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance and how does it stack up against Ooh. Prince of Persia? <laughs> Has nothing on Prince of you Persia. can't fault an actor for doing a big budget yeah. studio movie. He's making bank on that. Who gives a shit about like it's that movie <laughs> was not going to be good no matter who you put in it. it yeah, it, but oh, my only can't... issue with that is is that he already has bank and it's the Prince of Persia. <laughs> you know what I mean? If if I'm yeah. fucking Tom Cruise and they're like, do you want to play Martin Luther King? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to no. like have some fucking sense. Yeah. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> was in yeah, Tropical well, Thunder. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a that's like the one example you can't. Yeah, that's use. the only example that gets a, that gets a pass on that ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It is a you know when he makes bad bad choices for for what movies he takes, he t- tends to do bad in them. But um, or when his agent does a bad job, I don't know which is to blame. But uh, he did really well on this, uh, and I but I still think Nightcrawler is probably my favorite performance of his because he he can do the intense like this is more of a intense serious you know he's not it's it, he's not it's not that great a range of things i mean it's there's there's a, a a depth and an intensity to his performance but it's not a great range of things. whereas nightcrawler is it's got depth and intensity but it's got madness it's got it's so much to it to this broken character that i, I and i think he does uh, uh, that would be my, his uh, standout performance for me, even though I can't watch Nightcrawler again. Like, it's, it's just a one <laughs> and done because it was an, insane. So, yeah, no, he, he I think he was. Uh, uh, yeah, this is one of his best ones. And by the way, the whole time I'm watching, it, I'm like, he should be the next Joker. <laughs> I don't know. if He honestly, he should like, fuck what what's his fucking Leto yeah. n- name is. Uh, he should be Joker. Jared Leto, yeah, <laughs> whatever his fucking name is, <laughs> fucking That's best cult. best movie podcast ever, uh, cult yeah. leader, fuckface. I don't give a fuck <laughs> about him. Uh, no, he, I think Jake Gyllenhaal uh, has what it takes to be uh, the one of the greatest Jokers of all time. But that's just an aside. Hmm. I think he's gonna be hard pressed to go at Hugh Jackman. Everyone was people are trying to be like Jared Leto fucking like is this a quintessential Joker? It's like uh, no, it's no. not. No. It's shit. Anyways, <laughs> Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. He was great in Nightcrawler. I thought he was really. Yeah. You know, he's really good in too. Zodiac. I love that. Yeah, he's really even good in Zodiac. like I fucking love Zodiac, and like that's a that's a pretty intense, not intense movie. It's a longer movie, but mm-hmm. I can watch that. I feel like I can rewatch that one more than Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, I kind of like a couple times here and there, but uh, I do love fucking Zodiac. Also, I got like uh, I, I'm a Fincher stand for sure. Oh yeah. Um. Also, Donnie Darko. He's like young, but fucking yeah. so good in Donnie mm-hmm. Darko. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Absolutely. He's got a lot of range, and he's got he and he's got interesting movies as well like you can't I, that's I, the one thing that you can't say about him is that he hasn't done interesting work i as, think he doesn't get credit actor. for the range too i don't he think doesn't he, he doesn't no. get credit like take like zodiac his character is completely different than let's say for example detective loki who's kind of also you know they're both detecting stuff right mm-hmm. but it, they're completely different they could not be more different anyway i just who, yeah he, he's good whose character wins in a fight uh hugh jackman in this movie or logan 
Oh, Logan. He's pretty intense. This guy's pretty. <laughs> fucking Logan wakes will fucking wake up in a room. He just Are we can't talking get out like of? Logan in Berserker mode in at at the end of Logan. The yeah, movie? but fucking Logan. He's that just... Logan. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Hugh Jackman's pretty intense in this. I fucking really really liked it. I think this is. I I can't. I'm opening up the conversation for what the fuck is a better performance, Hugh Jackman performance of this. The only one yeah. that comes close for me is Logan and Logan. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I like, and I love Logan. Mm-hmm. I can't talk enough good about that movie. It's yeah. easily the best. It's one of the best superhero movies ever. Like next to The Dark Knight, I'd probably say Logan. But honestly, this is his best work, one hundred percent. I'd have to think about it, but it's definitely, definitely a very, very strong performance in this. Uh, I, he's at such an intense yeah. level the whole time, but like great, like and like great actors, it doesn't just manifest itself. He's no. and screaming and all that shit, like that's there, but it's really fucking well shaped. Like yeah. the moments where he's like rationalizing positivity with his son, and it becomes like these quiet moments, and like the scene again with Melissa Leo, like are just like they're fucking stark. Like yeah. they're really, really, really intense scenes, and I think he does such a good job with it. And he's another one with range too. He's also the kind of guy that you know that has sort of a real world quality to him. Like he kind of does feel like the everyday neighbor next door type, even though he's he's fucking Wolverine. You know, um, he's got that quality just as a just as a presence in this movie, and I think that amplifies the intensity of his performance because you could totally see it. You know, you could just totally picture it. So, yeah, yeah he, he's got a good he's got a good run of films too, and I like that. <clears throat> I like that he's stuck with Wolverine too, and like really kind of championed it, kind of like what Ryan Reynolds did with Deadpool. I'm and just most, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Consider yeah. where that began. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, mean, I also. And, and I, I yeah, think, so, sorry, I was gonna say. Uh, I think Wolverine's like. Of the super, I mean, I know it's not Marvel, whatever, but it's of the superhero. Like, which other hero ever has an actor go from like play a whole arc throughout you know this character story? I mean, Logan is the end of a is a very natural ending. I mean, obviously, I don't know what happens in the comics, but it's a very natural ending in terms of of all the movies we've seen Wolverine in, um, and 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 he, you know, that's where he ends his like contract of playing Wolverine. Who knows if that's gonna stay, but. Yeah. It it's felt it was really good. It was really good that it ended that way. I don't well, think you should also, touch yeah. that one. I think that's that's the good conclusion for it. That is yeah. the natural conclusion for it. And also, I would say that it's not part of the MCU. And I think that if you might notice, the the favorite comic book movies we're talking about aren't part of the MCU. No. So I, I think what it did was it gave him range. And like this is another thing too. Like I think he does better when he's working with directors who want to go down rabbit holes and explore all this stuff. Yeah. Well like James Mangold did with Logan yeah. and like uh, Villeneuve did in this. Uh yeah. absolutely. I also like just to quickly wrap up on on Hugh Jackman for me, that he chose that he was able to choose a last film for Wolverine like Logan by the Mm. way and that's what he chose to end it on and that for me is the true ending to that era of x-men like fuck uh what what was the other one apocalypse and uh oh it was terrible what was the last one they did with uh um oh dark phoenix yeah days of future past or some shit days of future past was before logan days of future past was really days of future past was really good good. it was uh yeah it was the uh it was the phoenix one they have they like we're never going to see a good version of that no they're never going to do that right. Um, l- l- let's move on to, uh, as we said, the Thunderbringer herself, Viola Davis, uh, 
fantastic she's absolutely good in this you just she's like you, you just sign her free agent bring her in she's getting 35 goals a year she's give her doing a quote, good move on yeah yeah give her like she's she's just she'll never not be good she's an assassin for like a master assassin for hire you know what i mean like you just <laughs> yeah. need to bring somebody in and they are going to do it no matter what it is and they're going yeah. to kill it mm-hmm. yeah she's mariano rivera she just closes this shit she doesn't give a fuck um and it, she works really well opposite of Terrence Howard as well in this because Terrence Howard is like it's funny because like if you look at the four parents mm-hmm. and just like they represent different parts of like what the reaction to this would be mm-hmm. like Hugh Jackman is in this like full revenge mode Maria Bell Maria Bello's character who she's fucking fantastic she's good mm-hmm. in everything mm-hmm. as well her character is like losing a little touch with reality and like but then also you know noticing things that then people thinking she's crazy and then terrence howard is taking a little bit more of a not knowing what like to a do resigned. With it. i also feel yeah, like he's resi- more resigned and and like just accepting it you yeah. know in a bad yeah. way in a, ba- in a way that i actually don't like he's just he's not fighting things and he's just kind of a follower is 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 yeah. what he yeah he, and he represent and he does that does it really well like yeah. that's the character and he just i think this is probably one of the best terrence howard performances mm-hmm. i think you're looking at this or like maybe like hustle and flow and then you know uh viola davis kind of is a little bit more of a methodical embrace of 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 the situation and i love how they all interact with each other and kind of work with each other yeah uh, it, it, it really turned out fucking great to the be other honest th- with you. the other thing i really like about the about the dynamic between the two um families as it pertains to the parents is how it's like the gender roles are kind of reversed in the way that they respond to the the, the torturing of paul dano's character where it's it's hugh jackman who is the one that is 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 basically all for this and his and his wife played my Maria Bello is sort of out of it or is sort of not involved with it and then uh it's Viola Davis who is the one that says no I'm not going to stop him and then Terrence Howard's character is the one that wants to stop him so it's kind of reversed how sort of Viola Davis is sort of the stronger one uh, mentally in that position and Hugh Jackman is and Terrence Howard yeah. isn't they definitely so, subvert the stereotypical reactions yeah, to yeah. these yes. things which well, is what and I it's like it's also kind of reflective of like you as the as the audience as a viewer like kind of reasoning Hugh Jackman's torture you're like I, I understand I wouldn't I don't know if I'd do it but I kind of get I understand where he's coming from it's kind of it's that mm-hmm. sort of like it's it's fucked up but jesus christ it's an it, it's if he if anyone's ever had reasoning uh, uh it's it's hugh jackman and, and what's happened to him and his daughter yeah so i want to talk about paul dano captain worst life himself in this movie <laughs> when is he not i'm trying to think movie, yeah what movies captain isn't he life? girl next door he's he's a fucking he's... tripod <laughs> <laughs> he's a tripod <clears throat> he's definitely like okay paul uh when will you do this movie uh, we're only going to be seeing your eye in a little bit of it. <clears throat> a good a good twenty minute stretch. We're going to be uh, just seeing your eye because you're going to be beaten, and we're going to have to do a full face bloat on you for makeup <laughs> because they're going to beat you, and then uh, it's going to be fucked. And on the other hand, ta- on the other hand, here's your script. It's one page. Yeah, <laughs> here's your dialogue. One page. Fucking like it's physical. Like he's good. Oh, yeah. he's good and he's he's basically i mean i don't 
he's one of those just I, I see him as one of those character actors who's just you you bring him in for a certain type of person for a certain type of role uh and he's gonna do really well but and i but you kind of just feel bad for him because i feel like the, the for me he's always typecast as some kind of creepy fucked up inbred looking <laughs> you know mother like he's some appellation like 10 generations of incest looking guy to me like i i just can't and and you know what i mean he does really well with these roles and i but there's just sometimes these character actors who 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 get put into these roles you just kind of feel bad for them like you know maybe <laughs> maybe he's capable of more but and he's done he's done a, a range of things where he's not that character but yeah. if, for me that's kind of where he sits but it's such a great character. character. It's yeah. such a great character actor yeah. because, like, he was in Twelve Years a Slave. He was yeah. in. Uh, he does the there two roles in Paul Tamas. In uh, sorry, yeah, in uh, There Will Be Blood. So mm-hmm. he's beaten with a fucking bowling pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the Riddler. He's the he's going to be the Riddler. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. And he was in fucking. I don't know if you guys saw Escape at Danamora. Uh, he was in that. Yeah. I mean, he awarded for a fucking Emmy. Like he's yeah, he throws fastballs too. He was in Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Like he's really, 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 uh, like quite good. The thing that yeah. about this film too is uh, I've seen I've seen this movie uh, three times now. The second watch, after you sort of know everything and you know that he is like a prisoner himself, like he's been kidnapped for like twenty six years or something like that. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really kind of sinks in just how good it is. Mm-hmm. knowing everything in hindsight and just you know knowing what's going to happen and just paying attention to his performance and how he's handling it it's it's yeah like he knocks it out of the park it's really really good okay guys uh i'm going to start a timer and uh <laughs> two minutes to jerk off to roger deacon starting now <laughs> timer's running use your time wisely you go first, John. Oh my God! So the only thing I, I the only thing I will say is uh, the one thing I love about Roger Deakins is that he he doesn't uh, sorry he doesn't he he doesn't ha- he doesn't have to go out of his way to have a, a, a movie look more than it needs to be, and everything that he shoots just complements everything so well. We've said everything there is to say. About Roger Deakins, but I just love how even if he's doing a one movie, minute thirty seconds, even if he's doing a movie like uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and then he's doing a movie like Prisoners, which could not be more different. Everything just works so well in a Roger Deakins movie, and nothing is out of place. Yeah, but you're I mean, burning through fucking time, Blaine. <laughs> no, honestly, we've we've said a lot of things, and and you know this isn't you know Deakins does a lot of you you you'll basically you know you can there's a lot to be amazed and awed at in things like Blade Runner and whatnot, but this is. You know, the prime thing about Roger Deakins is he doesn't put himself and his work above the story, above yes. the director, you know, above the cast. He He's there to he, he's the salt, uh, you know, he's the salt in the meal. He's there to enhance everything, but not never to be the primary thing. And obviously, you know, that's that's the that's what every good DP should seconds. ever do. Um, I will say that hit stylistically, I don't, uh, this and he does he does Gone Girl a year later. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of uh, when I was watching it, it reminded me a lot of his Gone Girl style. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a little bit more uh, 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 grunge and and rain and and whatnot in this. Ten seconds, but uh, uh, it, very similar in terms of that style. 
the shot on the river where it's the drone shot going over the river revealing all the fucking search party i fucking yeah. loved it that's yeah. all i'm saying okay we're out of time <laughs> we're out of time there's an actual alarm yeah, of course fucking guy we have to we could go on all day I'm that's why there's only that. no the don't people need to know how soon because we can't just jerk off to fucking roger deacons all day. two minutes two minutes is we've said enough i'm just gonna we gotta get out of our system what did this film do for Villeneuve's career outlook? Oh, man. Uh, everything. It did everything. I mean, as far as, like, his range and ability with, with this, there's so many layers to it. Like, the story aside, the story is just one thing. But, like I said, there's so many other interesting things that um, that are in this film. Like, I was talking about the contrasting in the, the family dynamics earlier. Uh, how how the symbolism of, of, of the maze looks like the inside of that like a tree trunk to me and, and there's a lot of stuff with trees in this movie and i i sort of feel like that wasn't unintentional uh, at all having seen it the way that uh he brings the whistle back into the story in such an interesting creative way at the end the way that uh all these sort of plot points are able to link up like the like like the dead guy in the priest's uh basement and the photo that he sees of of it around of the maze around his neck, just the way everything sort of lines up in this movie, it, it really shows his range as a as a storyteller, his ability to craft a story. But it's such an intricate thing that he did with this, and all those little those little points. Like we could dissect the shit out of this movie, and I'm sure a lot of YouTubers have already done that. Just as far as the symbolism and the way that he ties everything together visually and narratively. Yeah, he, he uh, this is the film that propelled him ultimately to do. Can I get a 28-minute video about the symbolism of the whistle? Uh, nerd yeah. right, nerd writers happening. making a, a video about it right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, it's, it's, it's similar to you know what I said before. I, I think you know this is he, he has a story that in, in a different director's hands could have just been a very uh, uh, misuse of all the talent because in a different in a, in a lesser director's it could have just been a, a very uh, a common sort of procedural story and uh, he I, love, I mean obviously a lot of these elements in there are in the script but he manages a, a way to elevate this um, to the next level uh, you know, and he utilizes the cast wonderfully, which, you know, again, if you're going in and making your first big studio film, oh, man, that cast, that cast could be very uh, intimidating in itself. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and part of that, you know, is, is is you know, he's he's already worked with a, with with Jake Gyllenhaal. So and he's worked with other actors and he's going into it with some confidence. But uh, yeah, no. And this also uh, he does really well and this establishes his ability to just uh, bring sort of these stories to to a higher level i think and uh and obviously while maintaining while being like an intense filmmaker and his use of violence is is i think particularly uh there's a villeneuve style of of violence uh that uh, not a lot of other directors do and even though you know there wasn't the violence in here was kind of it was uh, macabre uh and torture but uh, yeah, no, you see, you see elements of this violence in his other movies. You see elements of it in Sicario, which is, I think, you know, even another ten levels above. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think it really establishes that he can handle a studio movie and and that he can uh, make it into something auteur like. Even though I've I've read that he doesn't he doesn't see things as auteur versus uh, you know 
other directors versus studio directors or something. I think that's a good attitude to have. Yeah. I, I want to know what the fuck, as I mentioned this before, Brian Singer would have done to this movie. Like, all of a sudden, okay, so, like, Paul Dano. Only imagine. Paul Dano gets the shit beat out of him, and then, like, he's walking out of the house, and then all of a sudden he starts walking upright, and he's just <laughs> fucking, like, normal, just gets in a car and you never see him again. Yeah. They never find out where the fucking kids are. Uh, this set the bar for his English works. Everything that kind of comes after it, you know, has been on this level of quality or more so. You know, and if I'm a studio exec looking for someone to take hold of important films that actually look to work with a mid-range budget and now a large budget, Denny Villeneuve kind of ticks all the boxes, can work with high-profile actors, can form collaborative relationships with some of the heavy hitters like Roger Deakins and such. Um, and it's so key, especially in the studio system because you have to play ball, but you have to be able to manage all of it. And it takes mm -hmm. like a certain temperament and a certain savvy in order to deal with that. And I think he's showing he's doing it from right, like right from the get go, you know, and he's still making films with mid range budgets, which is, which is a rarity. I actually believe I actually can't believe Netflix hasn't tried to scoop him up, to be honest with you, according, you know, according to, at least to research, he, uh, I don't think they have, um, of course he's making big science fiction movies right now, but I'm sure he'll get back to a place where he can really kind of get more into this kind of sensibility because I feel like Dune is probably the summit of where he's going to be from a budget and a size standpoint, you know, like it's Blade Runner Dune. And I think the next one you'll see is probably more mid range from him other mm -hmm. than like the Dune movies themselves. Um, he's also doing a Dune series after apparently, or at least a pilot for it is from what I'm seeing from his IMDb. That's but, a, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, I will yeah. say from what I've seen about him is that, you know, every, every filmmaker has a, here's a movie that I watched when I was young that, gave me this idea of of planted this bug of me of how do they do this i want to do this i want to be a director or i want to be a filmmaker or whatever and you know hit for him it's it's it it comes with you know it's uh 2001 space odyssey it comes with uh, uh encounters of the third kind so he his his sort of creation as a filmmaker uh comes from sci-fi uh which is really interesting consider i mean and you know i think it's better that he starts off making, you know, intense human non-sci-fi stories uh, uh, because that's that's the groundwork that you need to make any kind of sci-fi ever good uh, mm -hmm. is to is, yeah. is that core needs to be good. But and I really hope that Dune isn't some kind of ending to his sci-fi. I, I, I really think it should just be his his ascension to it. And uh, something I also, you know, something I also read is that he one of one of his one of his biggest sort of influences when he was young was was reading um, comics, uh, French comics like uh, he he read Mobius and he read uh, Alejandro yeah. Yadorovsky's work, which mm -hmm. for me is like, oh, my God, he's making Dune. <laughs> he's making Dune. Yeah. But he grew up on Alejandro Yadorovsky. And this could be this is the group like the greatest possible filmmaker that can make this so do you know yeah. who's hoping he gets out of science fiction is chris fucking nolan well he, yeah well, because like because <laughs> right him and chris nolan like love each other they're they're huge fans of each other you know he 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 didn't like tenet dennis film like <laughs> no, no that's, that's how are you gonna tell that's him he's fine. i'm just saying as that? filmmakers they 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 are fans of each other that's that is oh well, fucking i hope i'm gonna tell you right now from an audience perspective 
I, I, this is what I see. So you're in the fucking Warner's lot. Uh, COVID's, <laughs> COVID's, you know, it's subsided. Chris Nolan sits down. He's got a paper bag. It's time for lunch. He sits down. He opens the bag and the lunch is gone because Denny Villeneuve fucking ate it, right? <laughs> Denny Villeneuve ate his fucking lunch and that's it. And I'm saying it. It's true. I'm done. I'm done. Well, I, I'm not done true. with Nolan, but no. Denny Villeneuve yeah. for me is Nolan the guy. Nolan just does too much high concept stuff without that core of of, of human stories, yeah. right? And that's yes. where Villeneuve is a complete director and and, and story uh, and uh, storyteller. Is that is that no matter what he does, he can make you care about those characters, and he can make you. Uh, and they can drive the story through them and, and what happens. And, you know what I mean? And Nolan is just all about these huge concept worlds and the characters are secondary and they're, and they're, and he's got to get back on track yeah. because I yeah. want to see, I want to see these two sparring, not fucking like mm-hmm. not in a combative personality way, but it's like when there's a generation of really good film filmmakers all working together, new Hollywood style, you know what I mean? Like you're like Steven Spielberg and like those guys are all, you know, it's like he, one puts out a movie, the other puts out a movie and there's like a one upsmanship subtly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the result is just fucking awesome stuff all yeah, the time. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, no, that, that would be good. And I think, I think if, if anything, hopefully as much as they, as they might like each other, I hope there's, there should, there should be some competition between them. And, and I think we'll get better movies out of, I mean, out of Nolan. Uh, yeah. But and and increasingly better, even more better movies <laughs> from Villeneuve. If there's more, if there's more of a sense of competition. And look at like the new Hollywood situation too. He's got Spielberg, and he's like, "Well, what the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> well, I'm making this movie called Star Wars. He's like, "Yeah, I want to do that." Yeah. Well, I made fucking. Uh, I mean, I made fucking Close Encounters. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I made fucking Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah. And then you just fucking sit there and they talk, you know, and they're friends and on each other's sets and working together on stuff. But yeah. like you see that all also like, you know, with De Palma and Scorsese mm-hmm. and Coppola, right? Like they're all coming at the same generation and they're all throwing fastballs at each other. And that's kind of what would be great now is if that was working like that but like yeah. it, the problem is it's the mid-series feature has mm-hmm. been gutted right do you, yeah. do you think a brit and a frenchman can work together to make something great is that do you think Ooh. that's possible or is that like a sign of the apocalypse well he's quebecois so it could work he's not <laughs> yeah. he's not he's not he's not technically you know real yeah. french quebecois. <laughs> yeah 90 percent. that's fair uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's just fucking... got enough English colonialism in him. <laughs> yeah, 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 he can he can do it. He just he's like the French are just yeah. like don't touch Algeria. Yeah. So, like, basically, you know, I, I that's kind of what I want to see with it, and I want to kind of dovetail this into our final discussion: is where does this rank in terms of Denis Villeneuve's work? Oh hmm. man. I mean, it's tough. It's a tough p- question. Picking a favorite Denny Villeneuve film is like picking a favorite Rush song. It's impossible to just do because your tastes change all the time. I, it's hard to say. I I have my favorite, and everything else is just amazing. And that's the way I look at it. Uh, Blade Runner is my favorite because I love Blade Blade Runner. I love science fiction, but I mean, I can't I can't say that Prisoners is better than Sicario. Or it's worse than Sicario. I, I can't say it because they're two completely different things, but at the same time they have that unique Villeneuve spin on them, and the, they're just executed to perfection for what they are. You know, this is up there. Like I said, his his ability to kind of craft all these different plot points. It might be my favorite of his, where his craft is on full display as a storyteller. 
just because of the way he's able to piece everything together. Now, that doesn't take anything away from the fact that Arrival is an incredibly well-crafted story or that Blade Runner isn't an immaculately well-told story, but I think it's just his just his craft and the way that he's able to piece everything together with prisoners. Yeah, there's no glitz is, in prisoners. There's it's a no daunting like, task yeah. too. Like it is daunting from a from an from a piecing everything together standpoint. Like holy fuck, I got to connect all these dots in this intricate web of a thriller and also just have this, you know, just this just this plot as well. Just kind of just the plot is one thing, but then piecing everything together is is a whole other endeavor. For me, it's, you know, Blade Runner, uh, then Sicario, and then Prisoners. I think Blade Runner, aside from, you know, all the personally, I love sci-fi and I love, and that's one of my favorite movies and stories. But uh, I think as a filmmaker, you know, that is, that is just like master's level of like, you have got to be good to make this, not only with all the expectations of what it's going to be, of all the uh, people who think it's, why would you make Blade Runner? And like, you know, it, it could be, it could just be a massive disaster. And the fact that uh, uh, he does, I, I think, he, I don't think many, there's many filmmakers alive that could have uh, done Blade Runner and actually pulled it off. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, a Blade Runner sequel. Yeah. You know, so, it, and and he still manages to do what what he does with, with his characters where you care about them or you're invested in them, uh, and, you know, and all that while pulling off this massive, massive film. Uh, so that for me is, is up until maybe Dune. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, is at the top, but then and then Sicario is 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 kind of an evolution to me from Prisoners in terms of uh, of of that sort of intense building up intensity story and 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 uh, and and all that. Um, yeah, and then Prisoners is just is it's like is a very it's kind of compared to these other films, it's bare bones. But when you have when you don't have what like you said all this glitz and glamour to work with. Or, or all these other uh, elements to work with, and that this is all these th all the things you have to be able to make something that good out of out of very basic elements, uh, says so much about him. I also don't think like this is almost uh, Insandis on steroids because Insandis does very similar things as far as weaving a very careful web through the plot, and when it all kind of lines up, you're just like, holy fuck! In the same kind of way. You know, mm -hmm. so this is like a natural ascension from Insandis. I think it's just more of a complicated thing to do just because there's more moving parts. But mm -hmm. uh, Insandis is overlooked because that's also another film of his that is just incredible. And also there's like, I, we talked about this a long time ago in a podcast about like, there's kind of a, I can't watch foreign quote unquote films right. situation that I think takes away from in Sundays, even though like it's actually really entertaining and really good. Oh yeah, it's like a really really cool movie, and I I think that this one like, let's say aliens come down <clears throat> from another planet, and our scientists realize that their only weakness is cinema. In order to destroy them, we require one of the world's most powerful directors uh, to wage war against them. And you got to show your CV. I'm giving them this movie and Blade Runner. Yeah, mm -hmm. because this movie yeah. doesn't have any like you are just relying on storytelling yes that's it like that is what you are relying on you are relying on your chops as a storyteller and your way to convey all the complex emotional complexities of what's going on and i think 
that uh, from that standpoint, this is there's very few directors who can work through this and make it interesting and, you know, really kind of provide the emotional depth and convey what's in the script because the script was also very, very good. It was sought after, as I mentioned. I think that if you're trying to separate your, like, my favorite's probably, like, Sicario or, like, Arrival or something like that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just, like, uh, the film that shows his basic level ability to tell a fucking story like this is the one like this is storytelling at its finest he can't rely on anything else and he's got yeah yeah sorry i was gonna say like we talk a lot about you know what's the best this of all time or what's the best that or and you hear those conversations a lot at least online like this for me is part of the big three of of the thriller genre it's prisoners seven and parasite for me as far as maybe maybe three of the best thrillers i've ever seen and this is on the list on that note gentlemen we're gonna get going uh thanks so much for doing this this was uh, a lot of fun got to talk about maggie gyllenhaal's brother a bit and um (laughs) we're gonna be back at you soon thanks so much cheers cheers